Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yes. Yes, it is. How are you? I am good. How are you? Okay. It's October 22nd. Uh-huh. But this podcast will air on October 29th. Uh-huh. But we have to record it early because I'll be on a cruise. Yes. So I won't be able to do much. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to be uh, a day late. <laughs> okay. But we can talk for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were at Exposition Park today. Yeah, I've never been there before. So it's kind of by USC. And there are several things there. There's the Coliseum. So there are concerts held there. There's the Na- Natural History Museum, the California Science Center, and then the California African American Museum. We were there to see a film at the IMAX at the California Science Center. We saw Deep Sky, mm-hmm. which there is a review for. Yes. But um, yeah, I I remember it. I had totally forgotten about it. I used to drive by there all the time while it was being put together, but... Um, yeah, it was nice to see parking's expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like going to Universal City. Be- or the the Getty. parking was free for us because we were there for a screening, but um, yeah, it's not as expensive as parking at the Getty, no. But then it said event parking $50. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, it, I know it's limited and supply and demand, whatever, but eesh. I had you watch this YouTube video called Feeding Time, Mm -hmm. which is a long-form commercial Jack in the Box dropped on Friday the 13th. What did you think? Well, I showed it to you because I heard people saying like how great it was. Okay. I think it's cool. I think it's cute. I like, yeah. It's like a, it it feels like it'd be a wraparound story in an anthology film, like a creep show-ish type thing. Yeah. Like, actually, Creepshow 2 is about a bully. Oh, so the story is about a bully on Halloween night who steals some kids' candy, and then he and his two friends come across, like, a taco truck that's saying free tacos. Angry monster. Angry monster free tacos. And they send the one to go get some tacos, and a monster takes him and kills him. And then the monster takes and kills the second person. So now the main bully's running for his life. And he ends up banging on the door of the two kids whose bag of candy he stole asking for help. They don't help him. The monster takes him. And then these little dumb kids, after they just witnessed something, like attack something, decide to go outside to check it out. And they see the free taco truck. And so the chubby kid grabs a taco. Mm-hmm. And then the, the monster gives the, the other kid back the bag of candy where are the parents somebody needs to teach this children ain't nothing in this life for free it's there's no one in this town where are these children's parents uh jack in the box like the mascot makes an appearance which was kind of cute mm-hmm. but i do appreciate that jack in the box of all the fast food restaurants seems to have the best sense of humor sure because their commercials have always been a little more adult and mm-hmm. like they're not trying to appeal to children because their entire brand is like late night stuff yeah so I like that aspect of it. Did you know Cher has a Christmas album? Uh-huh. Yeah. I listened to it. It's pretty good. This is not the month to listen to Christmas albums. 
It's only 39 minutes. There are 13 tracks. So I thought, let me listen to it. Uh -huh. uh, and I actually really liked it. And it actually kind of put, there is a song about like getting into the mood of Christmas uh -huh. and like getting a better attitude with, I believe, Cindy Lauper's. It's a duet with her. Mm -hmm. There's only one song I didn't care for, which is an attempt at. Attempt. Well, for her to sound kind of like contemporary. Uh huh. And I think it's called like Ride, Ride, Ride. Or... Ooh, okay. You seem to have an affinity for Cher more than I do. She was very important to me in the year 1998. Yeah, I really like her ABBA tribute album. Yeah, I don't, I don't care for that so much. It just make it just drives me back to ABBA. I I like Cher enough, but yeah, this Christmas album because uh, it has some kind of throw. They're like the opening track is like a DJ a DJ save Christmas or some nonsense that's like sort of dancey. And I liked it, but several of the other tracks have like a, what's the movie she did with, um, the lady who stole shit, um, the Winona Ryder mermaids, mermaids, the lady who stole shit. That's how we're remembering Winona. What's the song from that movie? The shoop shoop song. Yes. Mm -hmm. There are several songs on this Christmas album that have that shoop shoop vibe. Okay with like live instrumentation and Cher's voice. Cause it's, I mean, some of the songs are very like that auto tune. Oh yeah. Voice the woman's world. It has that vibe, but some of the songs she's like, like it sounds like she's really singing. Mm -hmm. And there's one song in particular that has kind of like a soulful gospel -y vibe and she sounds good. Um, yeah. I, I like Cher fine. I just, I, uh, yeah. Anyhow, <clears throat> I did like Cher's Christmas album. Moving on to restaurants, we tried for the first time Pomona Valley Mining Company. In honor of? Kind of like my early birthday dinner. Mm -hmm. It's a restaurant that's on the side of a hill off of the 10 freeway in Pomona. Mm -hmm. Like a horror film setting. And I have driven by that ever since I was a kid. So for you know 40 plus years, I remember seeing this restaurant. And... I don't know why it never occurred to me to go try it. And then you said, well, where do you want to have dinner on Saturday? And this restaurant popped into my head. And then I checked the website and it's, I get, I don't know what I thought it would be. Maybe like a banquet hall, which it is. It does, That's kind of like, I think their main gig because they're only open for dinner and brunch on Sunday, I believe. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the restaurant? The vibe felt very Midwestern to me inside there. Yeah, it's very like country, country home. Take me or what's that song? Country Road. Country John Road. Denver. You said you didn't know John Denver. That's John Denver. Yeah. Oh, all I know about John Denver is he died in a plane crash. That too. Mm -hmm. And he sang some songs people liked, um, and wrote them. But uh, yeah, it seems I haven't been to a buffet in a long time, and. I ate too much. Well, it's not a true buffet. They have a soup and salad bar. Sure. It's like Sizzler buffet. Well, the, Sizzler has more offerings, not of the best quality. No. This restaurant, their salad bar was fine. I mean, it was very basic, the salad portion, but the mm -hmm. soups, man, they had chili and clam chowder. Yeah. And that chili was so good. Col I had two Colorado portions. chili. And then you really enjoyed the clam chowder. Yeah, I did. I had two portions as well. So we kind of got full. And, and then they automatically give you cheesy bread. And then they give this damn cheese bread that is not a joke. Like, and, and you got an appetizer. 
it's cheese like that cheese bread is covered in cheese yeah it's not good for you so it's it's a little too much so by the time we got our entrees i felt ill i was full then i ordered two desserts because they were only ten dollars so i assumed oh they're gonna be tiny this mud pie was the biggest portion of a dessert i've ever received at a restaurant oh i don't know we've we've had large dessert portions i don't know that was pretty big yeah but it's it was comparable to other things we've had i don't know because even the bread i don't know those portions were much larger than i'm accustomed to okay and then so then i couldn't finish all of that but anyway i would go back again Mm -hmm. i don't Uh, think i'd get what i got though for the entree what did you get that the scallops and shrimp scampi you didn't like it it was lukewarm oh so i I actually i think part of what my (laughs) i think i started getting paranoid about the scallops because they've tasted cold in the middle oh i didn't know that but uh well i didn't you know i had like bacon wrap filet with blue cheese on top and filet mignon and then uh some mashed potatoes it was it's very basic the pricing is also not i mean it's not fine dining no so it i think it's cute it was very busy yeah well, we got there as soon as they, our reservation was for as soon as they opened, but within an hour, they were packed. Fully <sighs> packed. My God. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Well, since we recorded the podcast uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. so the podcast that dropped on today. Oh, <laughs> God. My dates are all mixed up. The podcast that dropped on October 22nd, we recorded yesterday. Mm-hmm. And now we're recording the October 29th podcast on October 22nd, uh-huh. which means we didn't really do much in between yesterday. And today. That's true. You did watch one movie for fun. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> again, in anticipation of watching that box set of Todd Browning releases from Criterion, but, uh, you know, he did 10 films with Lon Chaney and uh, most of those I haven't seen actually, but so I watched West of Zanzibar, uh, the other night, which I really liked, oh. uh, 1928, uh, uniting not only uh, Cheney but with Lionel Barrymore, uh, and a, a, an actor I'm not familiar with named Mary Nolan, who had a very interesting and tragic uh, end. But it's about a magician, <laughs> played by Lon Cheney, whose woman uh, runs out on him, and he thinks he runs out on him with. Um, an acquaintance played by Lionel Barrymore and the the two men get in a scuffle and Lon Chaney uh, gets pushed over the railing somewhere and becomes paralyzed from the waist down. So 18 or a year later, uh, his ex comes back with the baby and like dies in a church. And so he takes this baby in plotting vengeance and Lionel Barrymore (laughs) happens to be an ivory trader in the Congo. So Lon Chaney goes to the Congo, sets up shop for 18 years, puts this, raises this girl to be like a prostitute, basically, uh, all in this grand design to have vengeance against Lionel Barrymore. Uh, Meanwhile, um, pretending to the natives that he practices white voodoo so that they listen to him and disrupt Lionel Barrymore's Congo trade, like stealing his ivory. <laughs> it's, and it's a short film. It's an hour and five minutes. Uh, and all of this is going on, but, uh, to sum it up, uh, he discovers that Lionel Barrymore discovers at the last minute that Mary Nolan is his daughter, not 
Barrymore's and has to then save her from the tribe murdering her. Oh, gosh. And it has actual black people, not in blackface, not white, not whites in blackface. Oh, I did see you watching this. Because the black, the, the African, the Congo, the Congolese, they must have had them oiled up because they are all real shiny. Yeah, I recall some people looking real greasy. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I was going to mention, and I forgot that I had read this thing about something called coffee badging. Uh, okay. Which is this trend because now that employers want their employees to come back into the office Ugh. yeah, or have like a, at minimum a hybrid schedule, a trend that uh, like managers are noticing is what they're calling coffee badging, which is people basically like strolling in in the morning, mm -hmm. grabbing coffee, socializing with coworkers, and then they duck out to then just work remotely at home. Oh, okay. So I guess that's the thing people are doing. But then I was reading that what's happening now, which I've noticed a lot, um, I think, or I've said this before, is the like visibility is important. Mm -hmm. So for these people who want to just like, you know, avoid any human contact and, you know, you're not maybe getting picked for better assignments, better opportunities. So there is something to be said for having some visibility. Sure. Because there are people where I work who I don't even, like, I like they'll pop up in a Zoom call and I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize this person still worked here mm -hmm. or, or <laughs> I hadn't thought about you in forever. Mm -hmm. That can't be good for growth potential. Sure. Because a lot of, you know, while the landscape of employment has changed, I think the basic sort of tenets of growth and networking are still in place. And if you're not, if people aren't checking for you, I don't know, <laughs> right? When, you know, back in the day, like you work with someone and they get a better opportunity and then they bring you along or they, or they refer you. But nowadays it's like, yeah, there's so many people who I don't even, I don't even know they exist until they pop up in an email thread once a month or, but anyway, the term coffee badging I thought was interesting because I do know people who do that. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, you know, it is what you, you, you get what you want out of it, like anything in life, really. So if, if you're perfectly fine doing that, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't feel too judgmental about that because most corporations to work for are shit. So. Well, like you said, you get you get what, what you, you give, and yeah. a lot of people are just shitty employees, but like they give less than the because the minimum is like the expected amount of work. People give less than minimum, yeah, because your like your duties are like the bare minimum. Uh huh. So that means that when you don't even do your damn job, you are giving below minimum. Mm -hmm. There is no you know meets expectations, and <laughs> if you're not doing your basic job, you're not like you're doing worse than poor. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're fine with that, but then, the, but then you know, you go on TikTok and everyone's talking like they're like these stellar A plus irreplaceable employees. I don't get the sense that y'all are Every, <laughs> irreplaceable. Everyone's replaceable, right? But that was a a wild tangent. Let's take a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The secret movie for today was my choice. Mm-hmm. And since it'll be, this episode is dropping like right before Halloween, I figured let's keep with the horror movies. So I chose the 2000 American horror film, Final Destination, mm-hmm. directed by James Wong. His debut. Not James Wan. <laughs> yeah, W-O-N-G. Uh, do you know another James Wong film? Yeah, Final Destination 3. Oh. And he did a Jet Li movie called The One and hasn't uh, directed a feature since 2009. Well, I chose this because we recently watched Final Destinations 2 and 3, and I was surprised to know you had never seen the first one. I'd never seen. The only one I'd seen is five but it makes sense i guess because this came out in 2000 so you would have been um i was in ninth grade too young to probably go see it on your own and i'm sure your parents weren't interested in renting it yeah my father was not interested in horror movies starring adolescents he he, i i think he hated scream so after that he was like nah the premise of final destination alex browning is among a group of high school students on a trip to europe he suddenly has a premonition their airplane will crash. He screams to warn the others, but is thrown off of the plane, and the plane crashes after they get off. <laughs> That's an interesting premise. That's the beginning of the film. Alex Browning is played by Devin Sawa, mm-hmm. and he is going on this school trip to Paris, France. Or I, whatever, I guess Europe. I, it wasn't clear to me if they're just... They're going to France. Or if they're going to multiple locations. And that's why they're saying Europe. They, I think it's because the one man, the one teacher is very French. That's right. So Although I, think, I guess it doesn't matter where they're going. He gets on the, Devin Sawa gets in the plane and has a premonition, which has the audience we see of this violent plane crash. And he, when he wakes up from this premonition, he freaks out, which causes another passenger played by Kerr Smith, who we might know from Dawson's Creek to get up and punch him. Mm-hmm. which we need to talk about, which gets them thrown off the plane. One of the chaperones, a lady, goes off with them because she has to check on them. And then Devin's friend goes off to check on him. And then this other girl played by Allie Larder gets off because we named, learned... Named Clear Rivers. Her name is Clear Rivers, which is not explained. No. That's a very interesting name. I hate that name. But she gets off because we find out she felt like she could feel his premonition. So she took, she heeded his warning. <clears throat> anyway, they're out in the terminal with security and they're being told, you have to get on the next flight, which is three hours from now. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if it's Kerr or Care, his first name, but. The guy who punched Devin gets even more upset knowing that he has to wait three hours. So he starts fighting with Devin again. And while everyone's trying to break up the fight, the plane crashes. So now everyone's freaked out. The FBI get involved. So then there are two parts of this movie. One part is like the FBI trying to investigate like what was Devin's participation in this explosion, if any. Because at one point we do find out like that it's discovered that the plane crashed because of something very specific that had nothing to do with external, mm-hmm. like there, Devin Sawa didn't bomb this plane, but the FBI, two people die of the five who got off the plane and Devin Sawa was there when they died. So the FBI thinks that he might be involved. 
So there's that portion of the film. And then the portion that spawned several sequels is that <laughs> Devin believes that there's some sort of like design to death. And mm -hmm. because they cheated death, now he can figure out who will die next and how. So trying to stop because it, I guess. death provides tiny little clues. Clues all around us of how we're going to die, I guess. We can talk about that too. But um, like I mentioned, two of the five die. Three. Well. The teacher and the two students. Well, the third student doesn't die until like the very end. But yes, ultimately three of the five die. And then we're just left with Devin Sawa and Ali Larder. The end. No, and Kerr Smith. No, Kerr Smith dies at the end. Remember that big sign? Oh, yeah, up? yeah, yeah. So, sorry. I thought you meant it. At the very, very end, yes. Yeah. Just the two. But so, then Devin, so, three total but die. Then, but then Devin doesn't show up for the sequel. Only Ali Larder does. Yeah, that was my next question. So, Devin Sawa doesn't show up, but Ali Larder does mm -hmm. in the sequel. Um, because they, and they explain that by uh, we get a news article of Devin Sawa did get killed. Oh, he did. In Final Destination 2, there's a newspaper article about it. Oh, I didn't remember that. <clears throat> mm -hmm. What were your overall thoughts of this movie? Very basic. This should have been. It feels like it should have been an episode of The Twilight Zone or some kind of series. It's stretched to the max. It's very formulaic. I found the characterization very dull. The only thing I found interesting about it, in fact, were the shout-outs to all the uh, horror and truly, uh, in a true sense of the word, icons well, here, uh, of, wanna... of the horror genre which I'll give you time to explain what they are. So you should probably look it up if you don't have it, but I do, I agree. I, and I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, like pretending that I don't know that there are four sequels and that, but even, even in that frame of mind of just like, Oh, this is like an original, the basic premise is interesting. Like someone has a premonition of their death. They mm -hmm. cheated and now death is following them. But I think, in order for that to work, it needs to be one person and it needs to be a lot more dark and mm -hmm. maybe more of like a, I mean, I could see like Alfred Hitchcock making an made a, a movie. film of existential dread or like, yes. well, or Hitch Polanski Hitchcock always liked this wrong man thing. So what if the wrong man had been selected? Something that? like yeah. that, but this is so basic. And then I think the weakest, well, there are two things. One. I I mean, I watched it and I paid attention and I've seen, we recently watched the two sequels and I didn't understand how Devin's character went from thinking that he cheated death to figuring out this design. Mm -hmm. I think then, and I'm sure fans of this franchise would blow up the comments section if they heard me say this, that the movie does explain it, but it wasn't very clear to me. I don't think it, it does in its own little way, but it, it's not very clear and it, it because he does get holed up in a like he hides out in like a cabin in the woods and, mm -hmm. and then he's eating cat food at a point saying that he figured out the code and i was very confused by that but the other thing i don't quite get is i don't know the stakes seem low considering that we're all gonna die anyway we're all gonna die anyway like we don't nobody's really escaped nobody's escaped death but we, i guess they all feel like because they cheated death their time's coming sooner than later like because they should have died in that because crash. they should have died but then it's like you know y'all and if you realize it's coming and there's nothing you can do because this whole like somebody makes a sacrifice and then death skips over blah 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 y'all should have just used this extra time that now you know you have to say goodbye to your loved ones right and do something you really want to do like eat some good food or go rather than this running around being all sweaty and dirty and anxiety stricken 
pattern. Well, I think what because I because I agree, like you were supposed to die, but you didn't. So now you actually technically have extra time. So why don't we use it differently? But yeah. of course, that's not this movie. But I think what would have helped is if we felt like these characters like deserved a second chance. Well, right. I mean, but when you're dealing with like stupid high school kids, it's like, well, who cares? Like, Except that, you know, we all have this feeling. I mean, not all of us. I don't necessarily, but like, oh, people are like, they die too soon. They're too young. But besides them being young, we don't care about these kids. We should just, the Sean William Scott character is like, oh, not knowing that he's probably going to die now. I should have felt up this girl in whatever situation I was in. It's like, oh, you're right. There were three people who died plus Kurt Smith. I forgot about Sean William Scott. Yeah. Come, come, come get these children. And then the one adult who dies, she's made out to be kind of like not a nice person because mm -hmm. she's bitchy to this panhandler in the airport. She is. Yeah. And then she's not very nice. At well, he's the, like a Dalai Lama. Yeah. Dalai. Or no, Hare Krishna type Hare person. Krishna. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> but a Dalai Lama Dalai person. Lama. He's Steven Seagal. That's something I would say. <laughs> Even I know better. Um, no. So, yeah, I agree. But we, we needed people who we cared about enough to think that they deserve a second chance. Instead of, oh, you just cheated death. Why don't you just go have a nice meal and shut up? And the only one we get like a backstory on is that sob story from Allie Larder's Clear Rivers about how her, what was it? Her, her, some, some dad died. I don't know. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to go through my notes. When Devin is getting prepared for his trip, he has his suitcase packed and he had his baggage tag on the suitcase. Mm-hmm. And his mom goes to rip it off. And he's like, no, don't do that. It's for good luck. And what does his mom do? She tears that right off. Just smooth rips it off. I would have been so annoyed. Like, I asked you not to do this very simple thing. And you just do it. Like, I do appreciate that Devin looks like a normal teenager. Sure. I, I mean, I think he's a nice looking kid, I guess. And, you know, he has like normal teenage skin. Yeah. I think the problem is that they try to cover it up. They do. And that's distracting. Well, I don't and know if they. Well, it. they probably didn't predict that 20 years later we'd have like HD streaming in yeah. our house on a big screen. But yeah, it's very obvious. There's a lot of concealer, a lot of powder on his face. Uh -huh. But he's still a nice looking kid. Um, I thought it was really weird that. So first of all, who's the actor who plays Todd? He's the one. Chad Danella. I thought he looked like Gary Oldman. He does a little bit. Well, that hair. Ugh. But Todd and so that character in Devin Sawa, when they're at the airport before they board the plane, Todd runs up to Devin like this is urgent. He's like, dude, we need to take a shit before we get on the plane. Because you don't want all these girls to like go into the bathroom after you've taken P a potentially shit. go to the bathroom. I mean, the the smell doesn't linger that long in a in one in an airplane bathroom I unless just it's really bad. Yeah, and two, why do you have to poop together? Well, because then we see them literally sitting next to each other in the stalls, mm -hmm. like in the stalls next to each other, pooping. And but I, even before that, I thought our teenage boys are kind of gross. Yeah. So it, it seemed odd to me that they would think like, would oh, the, let's be considerate enough to not shit on the, the plane. The forethought, the foresight to be like, yeah, let's mm -hmm. get this out of our systems. And it's only a seven hour flight. Like technically you could probably. You could hold you it. You could probably hold that. Um, 
Okay, so Kerr Smith, when he punches Devin, I thought that was bad. That's writing. a stupid scene. That's so dumb. Like you're so this kid is freaking out on the plane who you actually know because you go to school with him, even though you don't like him. And your first thought is to and I know it's before September eleventh. So people were acting real loose on the plane. Mm-hmm. But why is his first thought to get up and punch this kid? <laughs> <sighs> He doesn't try to console him. He doesn't try to calm him down. He gets up and punches him right in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that character was ex- ex- extremely obnoxious to me. And, the and act- his girlfriend. And his dumb girlfriend. And they look like something that should have been uh, on the sidelines in a Twilight film. <laughs> which is not a compliment. We find out that there were 287 passengers on the plane who mm-hmm. obviously ultimately died. Okay, so after the plane crash, we get the scene at the memorial for all of the people who died, like the students of this school. And everyone is treating Devin's character like he's psychic or evil. Which? Because Sean William Scott thinks that he's like psychic. Mm -hmm. So he's asking him these. Sean William Scott's really cute. He does not look like a high school student. No, he doesn't. Well, (laughs) he looks like a grown ass. He's only 22 there, I think. But he looks like an adult man. He does. Like a 30 year old, attractive, but adult man. I think this is after the first American pie. And then Kerr Smith's hairline would also indicate that he's not in high school. Definitely. Yes. (laughs) The only one who looked like they could be in high school is Devin. Yeah. But the alley larder reading tropic of cancer at the airport at the airport <laughs> looking all emo but with her blonde hair or no she didn't have blonde hair at that point she had a she was brunette with her bangs mm-hmm. at the end of the film when six months later when they're in paris she has blonde hair you know i read tropic of cancer in high school and for the teachers that did know the actual contents of that book there was people would get upset <laughs> what is it about it's a sexual odyssey by henry miller oh his time in paris i believe and yeah most of henry miller's shit is very sexual getting back to the memorial when the teacher sees like that chaperone who got off the plane with devon she tells him like don't talk to me you scare the hell out of me yeah Kristen cloak Mm -hmm. i didn't like her character Mm -hmm. again it's like why do why do we make characters unlikable and then it's like well death needs to come faster than and then and then the design of her house she has a stained glass front door that is that there's a sword she's got a sword of damocles hanging above her (laughs) oh let's talk about obvious a little too on the nose for me so i'm sure uh so to recap all the deaths in this movie so todd is the first one to die he's the gary oldman Mm lookalike he's at home and he slips on some liquid (laughs) which this scene is interesting because now that we've watched three of them i think this is the only scene in any of the three where so he slips on some liquid Mm -hmm. that appears to come from the toilet Mm -hmm. and then he slips and falls into the tub and there's one of those clotheslines Mm -hmm. and so the clothesline wraps around him and he gets strangled so he dies from that but then after he dies the liquid goes back into the toilet almost like death was like trying to correct what or like it's hiding its tracks it's hiding its tracks but we don't see that in any of the other movies or any of the other kills i want to say there's something like that in another kill in this one though is there Mm. well okay so that's how todd dies okay then terry terry's the girlfriend of care the like bullish guy mm-hmm. she gets hit by a bus mm-hmm. the female chaperone her death is really elaborate because she's at home and we see her like grab a coffee cup and put alcohol in it 
but the cup cracks, so she's dripping alcohol throughout the house and then sets her coffee mug on top of her computer, so then the alcohol drips into the computer, causes the computer to smoke, and the screen explodes. Mm -hmm. So part of the screen stabs this lady in the neck. Mm -hmm. Then, because that... uh, That alcohol is extremely flammable. And she left something on the stove, or, or she was like, she had turned the fire on on the oven, that ended up like igniting the vodka. So now the house is on fire. Then she runs into the kitchen to try to put it out while her neck is bleeding. And she falls and like a knife stabs her in the chest. Uh-huh. Then Devin shows up. And, and a I, chair falls. While he's trying to help her, a chair falls and the knife, driving it further into her chest. That was way too elaborate. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> then because... Devin's character has this design of who will die next. So we think Kara Smith's character is going to die by like train, like a train's going to hit him. That scene was frustrating. Well, because Devin Sawa saves him. But then Sean William Scott is like screaming, like in front of this moving train and like a piece of shrapnel basically decapitates Sean William Scott. Mm hmm. But then that's when everything turned, like the design gets screwed up because they're like, well, Care was supposed to die and Sean died instead. So this is, so now we skipped, like the logic of all of it escaped me. Yeah. And then how many, how many months passed? Six months or something? Well, but then I don't understand. So now we're left with Care, Allie and Devin. And we think that Devin's supposed to die, but he is able to escape death. He was electrocuted, but he didn't die, I guess. Oh, yeah, because the grand finale with the FBI breathing down their neck and he saves Ali Larder by grabbing the live wire. Yeah, there's like a live wire that's like keeping her stuck in her car and he grabs it, but it causes him to be shocked and thrown like 100 feet. But he doesn't die. So then it, it seems like, well, they were able to cheat death. So now they're fine. Everything's course corrected. So six months later, they're in Paris, the three of them. But not, it's not really Paris. But it's not really Paris. It's a soundstage, I'm sure. But um, and Devin and Allie are dating. They're dating, oh. and Care's being nice now, and, and she is blonde now, and she's blonde. And Devin has another premonition that like a big sign is going to fall on him, mm-hmm. and he's able to like dodge it, but then it hits Care Smith's character and kills him. Those are the deaths. Um, Mega death. I thought there was an interesting moment where the female chaperone sees an owl, which made me think of Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, that's, the Osage people believe that the owl is like signaling death. That's customary mythologically. Oh, is it? Yeah, there's a famous book by Margaret something or other called I Heard the Owl Call My Name. Oh. Mm-hmm. Ali Larder's character is an artist. She makes sculptures, like oh, these God. postmodern like industrial sculptures, and she makes one of Devin that looks like... <laughs> I didn't need that. You wouldn't have even known it's a human being. No. But her connection to him and her explaining how she feels him was so stupid. Yeah. Then Allie and Devin go to the morgue to see Todd's dead body. And Tony Todd, Candyman, is the mortician. Who's in two and he's the voice of that devil thing in three. And when they see Todd's body... Allie goes, why did they make him look like Michael Jackson? I thought that was rude. Rude. That was rude. Tony Todd looked 
terrible. Tony looks like he drinks and smokes and, and has a lot of other vices. And, and maybe doesn't have medical insurance. And, and, yeah. But also the makeup on they had on him. He, yeah, the makeup was bad and his fingernails look crazy. I mean, I'm a, if you ask him, I'm sure he would say, well, he doesn't want to be like he doesn't want to get his teeth fixed or look healthy or have nice hands because then people won't hire him to be the creepy dude. I don't know. So I guess that makes sense. Um, because I I used to cut someone's hair who was um oh if they're listening maybe well they were not an attractive person Uh like almost on purpose because he said well he gets gigs because of how he looks oh okay but now I don't want to elaborate (laughs) because but anyway so I understand that people um maybe main you know like. Or like how Barbara Streisand didn't want to change her nose, mm-hmm. which there's nothing wrong with her nose. And but. Courtney Love initially. <laughs> anyway, Allie Larder's eye makeup. She looks like she's ill. She looks like she has a, an infection that they're inflamed. Or like whatever. Um, who's the guy who played Andrew in The Island of Dr. Moreau? Michael York. Mm-hmm. Like she has that condition, like Amy Lodois oh, or whatever. <laughs> Or like when uh, Billy Beat did RuPaul's makeup on Drag Race, and it's like, oh, she looks like she has an infection. Like if your eyes could have tuberculosis. The conjunctivitis <laughs> has leaked out. Her makeup was terrible. Yeah, it was bad. Okay. Can you talk about the character names? Yeah. So even like Alex Browning, who's named after Todd Browning, who directed Dracula. There's uh, literally the teacher was Val Luton, who is a famous horror producer who produced like Cat People and Seventh Victim and... Uh, I'll go, go the original ghost ship, all of those excellent things. I walked with a zombie, etc. Uh, Agent Ween, that, that's at the name after the director of the doctor, the cabin of Dr. Caligari. Um, Roger Grunver Smith is playing Agent Shrek, the same director Max Shrek from Nosferatu. Uh, Wagner is somebody's last name who Wagner did, uh, The Wolfman, and of course, Sean William Scott is Billy Hitchcock. Uh, there's somebody, the blonde girl that gets hit by the bus, her last name is Cheney. Uh, there's somebody with the last name of Merno. So, yeah, it, those are fun little shout outs. So, like Billy Hitchcock is a little obvious, but I did want to mention. So, you already mentioned John Denver, but Rocky Mountain High plays throughout this film. That's right. Anytime someone's about to die, which I think is interesting because, like I mentioned, John Denver died from a plane crash, and that's. Uh, actually, probably just a couple years before this movie. 97. Yeah. This movie's mm-hmm. 2000. 2000. Two, yeah. So that kind of feels like. That's creepy. It's kind of in poor taste. Remember, and it didn't occur to me until I just thought of it. Remember all those celebrities in the late 90s? Because JFK Jr. died in what, 98? Yeah. Uh, when did Princess Diana die? 97. August something. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. This the, the 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 use of John Denver in this movie as it relates to people like a premonition of or like a a symbol of death and then knowing that it's all based around a plane crash. Did they show a snapshot of princess die in this or is that, or is that the second one? In one of the final destinations we see, no, it is this one because they're at the airport and Devin Sawa picks up, um, Allie Larder's book. Oh yeah. yeah. And then she has some other thing and she sees princess Diana's car crash. Yeah. Uh, I didn't put that together till right now, but that does feel a little weird. There's also another song by an artist named Jane Sibbery named all the are called all the candles in the world Mm -hmm. it's from the 90s 
and 93 93 and i would i added it to my uh playlist it yeah it's an interesting sound but it also uh is jarring in this film yes because it plays during a scene when kerr smith's character decides that he he says at one point like i'm not gonna die and it's I'm like contraire mon frere you are gonna die <laughs> But he's like driving erratically, trying to test death, and this song by Jane Sibbery's plague. Yeah, not quite. It's fitting. jarring, uh, but it was interesting. It'd be good for like a late night drive. But of course, you know this movie made a ton of money, uh, so that is why we have so many. I would. I don't know what to give this film. What would you give it? Two. I didn't enjoy it. I'm gonna give it two and a half out of five. I mean, I think it's okay for, considering like it at the time it did feel fresh, I guess. Did it? The premise feels interesting compared to a lot of things. Sure. I don't think it's well done per se. No, I think it could have, you know, maybe that's why I feel so nasty about it. It could have been much, it could have, it could have been much better. Of course, I don't think they were planning that. Well, maybe they were planning that there would be a sequel then, but. Um, I think movies like this were meant to appeal to like college age people well, like like younger people so but the fact that these characters aren't people we like makes sense for the market they're trying to capture but because teenagers haven't developed empathy yet <laughs> is that why because it's true well that's all i have because it's rated r yeah it's rated r so you expected adults to come enjoy this well um we when this airs we will have a live video for Halloween. Mm -hmm. And do you remember what the poll selections are? Second verse, same as the first? Or second time around. I haven't decided oh, Okay, sure. Um, Friday the 13th, part two. Uh -huh. Nightmare on Elm Street, part two. Uh -huh. Halloween two. Uh -huh. Not the Rob Zombie one. The no. 1980 yes. one. What are the other two options? I asked you to remember them. You did. Now I'm blinking. Ooh. Was it Child's Play 2? Child's Play 2. And. Uh... Ooh. And I would like to uh, call your attention to the live video where I asked you and you had an attitude because you said, I don't need to remember just. Well, we're on film, so I could just reference that. So you can just talk wild and loose and crazy, and now you forgot. Uh -huh. no, it'll, you to, it'll come to me. I asked you to write them down, and you didn't want to. No, it'll come to me. <laughs> well, the fun part will be we're recording this in the past, but uh -huh. when people hear this, the poll might be different selections because <laughs> we might come up with something better because people have put movies in the live chat that I thought would Sleepaway Camp Because someone put Leprechaun 2. Isn't it Sleepaway Camp 2? It's not Sleepaway Camp 2. I wouldn't have thought that's a good idea. Oh. But Leprechaun 2, I think, could be a good idea. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it might be fun to see what we actually end up with. But by the time people hear this, there would still be time to vote for our live Halloween review. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to say? No. All right. Ta-ta. <laughs>